So everything in life comes to teach us something. First of all, good morning <laughs> uh, to all of, uh, yes, us. No you and me, but us. And um, there's always a backup plan we should keep with us. And that backup plan is within. So if we can't play mother's music, we can play the inner music. And if there's too much noise outside, we can intensify our inner silence. The mother once said that we should be able to meditate on the battlefield. And uh, everything in life is a wonderful opportunity to progress, to grow, to intensify our aspiration, to make ourselves giving more complete consecration, more perfect. So life is wonderful and when life is wonderful, there is joy, enthusiasm and everything. Uh, I'll come to question and answer just to start the ball rolling. From my experience in so many years of both psychiatry and of yoga, uh, nearly three decades plus, what I have discovered is that the greatest suffering comes because we are not really progressing. And when we want to change our outer circumstances, it's actually a need for inner change. And if we don't focus on that, and we keep changing things outside, keep changing things outside, it only makes us more and more frustrated. Logically also because uh, outer things are not within our control, at least till we reach a certain degree of inner development. But inner things are within our control, provided we work towards that. And the more we grow and there is so much opportunity to grow throughout the day, the more joy we feel, the more life becomes beautiful, the more cheerful we are. Cheerfulness actually is, uh, Shobindu says very beautifully, it says the salt of sadhana, salt of life. And it's so true that um, when we look at life on the surface appearances, and if we are unfortunate not to have faith that there is something greater and deeper, a larger wisdom, then life can be so difficult and terrible. Because always there is something or the other which um, is not, uh, you know, disconcerting. Of course, when we have the eye of faith or the eye of wisdom opens, then it's a different matter. But otherwise, to imagine that life as it is, just as it is. So in, in that scenario, what really helps us to go through is being cheerful and cheerfulness needs nothing except a trust and confidence that there is a grace, that we are not left alone or abandoned, that there is something. We may not right now understand its ways, in time it will disclose itself, but there is behind all the anomalies of life, behind all the surface appearances, there is a grace that is carrying us. And this grace transcends all our human wisdom, calculations, thoughts, analysis. That's why it is grace. Otherwise, it would be something like the human mind. And when we live life with that, uh, that faith, that aspiration, that trust, then life becomes beautiful and cheerfulness becomes a way of life. Another thing which is so important to remaining cheerful is a certain generosity and benevolence. Lot of unhappiness, pain comes when we are bitter 
when we are bitter, then gallstones form and all kinds of stones form everywhere. We are bitter about everybody, everything about life. But if we look at the challenges and difficulties through which every human being navigates, we always think my difficulty is the biggest difficulty. Everybody is struggling with their own issues. So there should be in life a benevolence and generosity. And this benevolence and generosity comes as we tackle our own difficulties. People who have never struggled within, they are the most intolerant people because you know they, they, they want everything outside perfect whereas they themselves have not worked towards their own perfection. But as we move towards our own inner perfection, we realize how difficult it is to just take one tendency or quality and work upon it. And that brings a sunny tolerance, that generosity. A third thing which mother reminds us very beautifully. She says when we think of divine, divine perfection, we think of certain virtues put together. And worse still, we think divine virtue is same as human virtue. So divine love is like human love. Sentimental, weeping when we weep, giving us whatever we ask him. (laughs) That's how we conceive of human love. All the virtues, divine kindness, divine mercy, divine benevolence, all these qualities we think are very human. But of course it's the divine. It's not human. We can exchange our human values for the divine. But most important thing to realize is that divine is a totality. So she says that when we think of perfection as a set of virtues, we begin to reduce life, diminish it, diminish it. Till finally there is nothing left. And she says that that's why it's so important. In fact, she says very beautifully that, you know, divine transcends these human virtues and wise and good and evil. That's why he can operate in this world. Uh, I, I mean, as a doctor, I can say that, you know, when a surgeon operates, if he thinks that, oh, it is going to be very painful to my patient, when he wakes up from anesthesia, He can't operate. He has to do his work without, because there is a wisdom. He knows he is doing it for cure. So he does it. Even though he knows that temporarily the patient will go through a series of probably pain, post-anesthetic, post-op, vomiting, and there is a risk of complication, still he must do it because this is the thing to be done. So that is how the divine acts, not as we conceive. So most important advice the mother gives at the end of this wonderful passage She says, so, let us avoid the company of people who become very serious. (laughs) Because, she uses the word, they are very boring. So, what we should do? We should laugh with the divine laughter, which is at the core of everything. If you really go to the core of everything, there is this divine laughter. He laughs. That is how he could make this amusing world. If he had no sense of humor... The first casualty would have been the divine himself. Ah, what have I made? This, I didn't expect this. So there should be this constant joy and this comes, actually its source is the soul. All things ultimately point back to the same thing. We can't do all this mentally, but the more we turn to discover the psychic being within us, the more we develop natural cheerfulness, enthusiasm, trust, faith, benevolence, Gratitude, all these things come 
spontaneously and they that makes life very happy every morning when we wake up our thoughts should be filled with gratitude i have one more day to change myself <laughs> not to change my situation and circumstances it's a lease of life given to us another day so it's such a joy same when we are sleeping at night how much i have consecrated how much i can consecrate more how i can make my tomorrow better when we look at a flower often people think that we will offer gratitude when something good has happened there is so much good happening all around when we walk through a road here you know there is rain we'll see transformation flowers dropping on the ground such lovely breeze it touches us beautiful rain we meet a child and the smile of a child greet a person everything in life can fill us with a state where joy cheerfulness enthusiasm becomes natural but there is something which robs all this and that is the ego self where we are constantly meditating on what is how is it going to benefit me this tendency which is uh, what shall i say there is no good name for it so let me not give a name <laughs> this tendency to always calculate bargain this makes life miserable let me close with a story of guru nanak we just had the 550th anniversary so probably it's very apt you know how what is a way of life in spirituality so the story goes that one day his father he had a shop so he was leaving the shop and going away he said will you look after the shop he said yes yes of course so when the father comes he sees how the shop is empty with no money left in the hardly any money left in the drawer he said what happened yeah i don't know somebody asked me for some 14 number of something and i was counting so i said 1 2 1 2 3 4 it came to 12 13 tera means yours i couldn't move beyond it tera 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 your 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 oh lord everything is yours that is another way to live completely without any calculation bargaining as a flower blooms as a river flows it doesn't question who is going to drink my water is he a sinner i will not give my water or as the sun shines flower doesn't say you i'll shrink myself keep my fragrance because i don't like you no it just radiates its smile joy everywhere so in this benevolent giving of oneself to the divine divine within and the divine in creation that's also very important divine in all human beings that is the secret of inner joy and cheerfulness let me restrain myself otherwise this question answer session will turn into a um, monologue and let's have the questions anything doesn't matter this all topics all subjects are divine subjects ah there she is any type of question yes please ask can someone uh, give the mic uh, what is the sincerity yes please ma'am please say tile you have touched the key of the whole thing sincerity the mother says is the key to the divine doors don't touch yoga if you are not centrally sincere and don't want to grow more and more sincere now what is sincerity sincerity is transparency it doesn't hide often in life 
we learn to hide the truth behind and put up a mask so when somebody walks in people learn to you know outwardly greet and say beautiful things whereas inside they are hiding another feeling altogether another state altogether so we learn to deceive the human mind has taught us the great deception animals don't deceive if a cobra is angry it will raise its hood and hiss if an animal feels threatened dog it may bark but human beings when they are barking inside they are wearing a nice mask of a smile so it makes it very dangerous sincerity is to be transparent before the divine not to put on a sadhu bachcha clothes and say oh i am very good so you must do this and that to me but to present ourselves to the divine just as we are it requires tremendous inner courage and mental honesty it's not about telling people but inner mental honesty to recognize that there are things inside me which need to change instead of being preoccupied with what is outside which needs to change to be preoccupied with within what needs to change and then to keep offering to keep striving it takes long doesn't matter then sure with the distinguishes between central sincerity and detailed sincerity central sincerity relates to the motive of taking up yoga so if outwardly one says you know one wants to do yoga inwardly there is the ambition ah being a swami ji is good business and starts you know then one begins to live a lie one wears a certain kind of attire to impress people one begins to talk in a way to impress people we know you know life is full of those kind of uh, you know little cheats so this thing that when one has come to the divine seeking yoga but inside there is ambition it could be a worldly ambition it could be a spiritual ambition it's still an ambition to be known as an advanced sadhak a great yogi all these are ambitions a guru a teacher all kinds of things so these ambitions which are hidden inside when we touch the fire of yoga it will unmask it and when it as unmasks it because ambition cannot carry the flame upward it, it doesn't have the power then one will be hit if it is true yoga if it's the whole thing is a fabricated lie it's a different thing lie can be stressed to any amount of extent so central sincerity is that the motive of yoga should be very clear is it to help humanity there are hundred ways one can help one need not take up yoga is it to satisfy some ambition is it to get some powers some people do yoga to have some extraordinary powers none of these motives are sincere motives of yoga there is only one motive of yoga it is to unite with the divine yoga means union with the divine there can be no other motive by very definition so central sincerity for yoga means that we are drawn to the yoga not by any of the ulterior motives but by the urge something within us has become conscious enough even when life is wonderful it's not because there is pain and suffering oh i love you no life may be wonderful everything may be good but still something within us seeks that which is beyond it can take countless forms and then one strives for that that is the central sincerity there are no hidden motives the second is detailed sincerity 
the first step towards that detailed sincerity is to recognize all the insincerities within. So as long as one, I'm sincere, but look at this guy, that guy. Every insincerity that we are looking in others, it has taken long time to understand, at least for me, when mother said, world is a mirror. That whatever is inside you, you are seeing outside. It takes long to understand, oh yes, everything that I am observing in another person is in some way or the other hidden inside me. It may be in this much, that much, different combinations, different color, costume, but it's there. And each of these things have to be offered. It's very difficult to work upon them by the mind. So mental sincerity is to see the limitations. The biggest is, you know, it goes with humility. To know the limitations, we as human beings, what do we know? At every stage to know that one knows nothing. Otherwise, illusions of knowledge, insincerity can creep in many ways. Oh, I know so much. Why? Because I have written books, I have read so many books. It counts for nothing. As long as the doors of knowledge has not opened and wisdom has not started pouring in, it counts for nothing. So sincerity in the mind, sincerity in the heart, how many things we are attached to, strings spread everywhere. And then we say, I have love for you divine. <laughs> he will say, yes, yes, I can see that. We should recognize it, that yes, Ask for that love. That is wonderful. That is the beauty of knowing that we are insincere is we can ask for it. That mother says, yes, ask me for it. This yogi Krishna Prem, when he came to ashram, he asked mother, Roland Nixon, who was very close to Dilip Kumar Roy. When he met the mother, he said, mother, give me bhakti. But mother said, but you are already having so much bhakti. No, mother, I want more. So, to know that there is no limit and to see through all these countless things in which our heart is moving. So, ask for that love, that true, true love. Do I truly love the divine for the sake of the divine? Or is there calculation and bargaining behind my love? So, all these are insincerities of the heart and the vital nature. Vital is loving for the sake of powers. Oh, mother, Amma, if I offer this flower, I will get this result. Now, this is insincerity. It's okay at a certain stage. Then, it's not yoga. It's perfectly fine to ask. But to make that as the motive, the vital has to learn to give itself. So, all these countless forms it takes, all the so-called difficulties of the vital, which are known as the enemies of the soul, kama, krodha, lobha, moha, madha, all these are well known. Fear, greed, if we live with that state of consciousness, now it's not that it's a taboo, one cannot start yoga with all this. Of course one can start, but one must recognize and offer so that they can change. That's all that is required. So this is detailed sincerity. That whatever obstructs between my goal, which is the divine, and my self-giving, I take it out from myself. I offer it to the mother and pray that mother remove this. This is coming in the way of my self-giving. That is how detailed sincerity proceeds. And then, very important, no justifications. There is always a justification. I have seen strange justifications. Somebody coming for, uh, planned for coming on Darshan Day, suddenly says, my cousins, cousins, mama, chacha, God knows, always relatives come in the way of the absolute. And he says, uska shadi hai. Therefore, I am not able to come. 
I sometimes wonder if there is a choice between the divine and any of the things related to the world. What are we choosing? This is insincerity, very cross insincerity. But we are not able to recognize it. That's how the path of yoga is on steps of sacrifice which are burning with fire. That means I don't still value my closeness with the divine. Otherwise I would rush, look at what used to happen to gopis. We have read all these stories, we enjoy them. Night they hear the flute, my parents will think this, my relatives will think this, doesn't matter. I go rushing because Lord is dancing there with his flute. What does it matter? So this is the way to grow in sincerity and by offering, by recognizing, not justifying, rather by recognizing and offering them at the feet of the Divine Mother, we get rid of them. It's a long process. But that is the key. There is no way to open the doors without sincerity. In fact, Mother says, do not touch yoga if you are not only not sincere to start with, but not willing to grow sincere as the yoga proceeds because it's a fire that will burn. So it's okay. It's much better to say I'm not, I'm fine with, you know, the world as it is. Yes, so any other question? Yes, please. So at its highest, while the question comes, at its highest, sincerity to organize one's whole life around the divine. That is the highest Sincerity. Every moment, movement, every day, how I should organize around the divine. Yes, please. Hi, sir. In the, the program, ma'am, I am told as enthusiasm equal to the best way of basic life. Best way of? The glorious enthusiasm is the best way of basic life. Yes, of course. Please say it, please say it. Yes, yes. In case the person is having some pain and uh, overall sufferings, how they will they aspire for happiness? Okay, please sit. So we must understand the difference between pain and suffering. Pain is a phenomena. It's a something very physical. Suffering is our response to it. I'll give you an example, extreme example. And there are all the shades in between. You must have heard that famous song which became infamously famous. Chhaya Chhaya. Heard about that song? It was song. Um, its origin actually is very mystic. So Bulesha is a famous mystic poet. So he writes to the divine. He expresses his joy to the divine. I stand below your sword, and you are cutting every piece of mine. And with each drop of blood, I sing thy praise in joyous enthusiasm and dance. Because thou art destroying my ego self, liberating me from my own prison, and I dance karke chaya chaya. That's how the da- song, but it has been turned into a romantic, uh, you know, whatever that human has. So it is a certain attitude. Now, when we take this attitude that there is a wisdom that is operating behind life, that there is, and it's not just a hard, cold wisdom, it is a love. We have trust in that then whatever may happen to us outwardly, we have that implicit faith. People often say faith depends on outer circumstances. Not at all. I have, as a psychiatrist, I met so many people where faith should have been shattered outwardly. But actually they grew in faith because faith is something which is there. Momentarily one may have this, oh, this pain. But next moment, 
again by offering this pain we connect to the divine source joy comes actually from there he is the source of bliss he is the source of ananda he is anandmay so even pain can become a path if there is pain let's offer our pain we can talk to the divine if you have put me through this ordeal you know best and when the time comes you will take it away like a nightmare that is the path that has been shown to all who have walked the way all without exception mystics how they have faced um, suffering even death you know sharma this head was he was beheaded uh, guru tegh bahadur he was you know he martyrdom we know that how he was his head was cut and that's the place where his head he was beheaded by aurangzeb it is that place where we have the shishganj gurudwara in um, delhi never for a moment they wished oh i loved you and this is what you have done to me oh mystic flings himself in the arms of the divine but naturally if we do it the last moment it doesn't work so whole through life we have to practice it and many opportunities are there uh, there used to be jugalda he was registrar in knowledge uh, long back now he is no more so for many days he had a bad corn in the feet so every time he would walk you know it would wince so one day one of the doctors saw him and said oh jugalda what is it he said, no nothing but a corn he said why don't you get treatment he said no it's helps me how does a corn help you he said every time i wince i say ma 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 every step becomes a yagna so it's an attitude but if we value our own physical comfort much more than the goal obviously then it's not possible to feel joy because um, the moment we have a turning back upon ourselves our comfort uh, you know pain free life which nobody can assure to anyone upon this planet earth let's be very clear on that even divine beings come they suffer outwardly much more than we human beings can even imagine look at the life of mother and shurbindo we can't imagine you know the death sentence hanging for one year and even when he has come here the britishers are spying they didn't leave so easily sometime there is no food which is available he doesn't know that next moment there will be food or not so shurbindo says with this characteristic humor he says i know god will provide but he has become um, but he he has it to provide at the last moment i know he will provide but he has this tendency to provide at the last moment he says with such if you reach if you want to really understand how in pain one can be free inside and experience joy i would recommend one single book and it's not philosophy it's shirbindo's own period from shirbindo's life it is tales of prison life kara kahani in bengali translated in english he is in a prison where you can be incarcerated for life or you can be put to sent to the gallows already he has been declared by the british uh, britishers as the most dangerous man in india all kinds of fabricated evidence but when shubindu describes the prison life it is amazing it one there's so much touches of humor he describes the boys youngsters around him and he says it was so uh, such a joy to see these youngsters not a trace of sorrow or suffering why did this happen 
because their life was not being lived or given for a small little purpose see when a soldier stands on the borders we often don't understand its you know in what it means i mean i have been for 3 months to chin so with shelling going around actual shelling you sit below in the bunker have pakoda and chai and you can sing a song <laughs> why because you know it's not for your little life that you are there if you were thinking of your own little life and its petty comfort then one can be probably in the house and feel unsafe there are people who feel very unsafe even with z plus security so when life is lived for something much larger what do pains matter that's the make of those who walk the path it doesn't even need to be a yogi even human beings who live with an exceptional sense they they carry within them the sense of secret immortality and nothing matters for them when during the 71 war how this uh, you know young 19 year old captain lieutenant going into tanks with grenades throwing inside tanks destroying 21 tanks pakistani forces never believed this kind of a thing is possible he died but never for a moment he thought oh my god if i die what is going to happen that is the spirit which one must carry in life a little bit spirit of adventure that if one has to give oneself one day everybody will die pain will also come let's die in the for something much more beautiful or live for something much more beautiful something high vast luminous beautiful and true so that we must inculcate when we do love 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 laugh laugh with sincerity yeah yeah no no your question is valid there are all kinds of laughter there is the insincere laughter of the politician beware of that when he laughs and tells you yeah your work will be done be careful there is a laughter of the asura who mocks and sneers at ignorant humanity crushing it below their feet and laughs laughter of the asura there is the laughter of the gods attahas of mother kali who destroys the ego but doesn't feel sad because he knows truth is being liberated shobindo you know it's image from kalidas and shobindo says in one of the um, aphorisms that aristophanes who says that god laughs a god who could not laugh would not have made this universe is closer to truth and then he says in a daring image kalidas says that what is kailash himalayas they are the laughter of shiva crystallized grand majestic so we should laugh with the divine not with the you know asura <laughs> who laughs when his ego is being satisfied but the bhakta when does he laugh when his ego is crushed and broken to pieces and slain by the mother 
Then he says, Mother, thou art benevolent. He says, Blessed, O misfortune, blessed art thou because thou hast made me see the face of the beloved. That time the Asura cries. But the divine beings laugh. So there is different types of laughter. And uh, it's within the heart, sincerity of one's heart, one knows why one is laughing. But what is bad is to laugh at others, their mistakes, their errors. It is not good. You can point out, but never with this scorn. And it's always good and healthy to little bit laugh at oneself. It's good to remind oneself that what a joker I am. It's all right. <laughs> and why not? We don't have to put up a show. So it's good to time to time to look at oneself and laugh at oneself. You know, how stupid I could be. <laughs> so, so there are different kinds of laughter. Yes, please. Yes, very good uh, question. So the question is that if there is central sincerity is not there, don't take up yoga. This is the mother's statement. Shurabindu has said all life is yoga. So how to reconcile? So all life is yoga in the sense that everything eventually is moving towards that grand union with the divine fulfillment of its divine possibilities, etc., etc. But for a long time, this is a subconscious process. When we talk of taking up yoga, that means we are making it a conscious process. Now, that's when this word of caution. Then we have to turn all life into a conscious yoga. Actually, in that uh, chapter Shurabindu explains in the third chapter of synthesis. Take an example. Why are we unhappy when things or people, let's say somebody with whom um, one is close is uh, not according to one's, you know, uh, thought frequency or uh, emotional, uh, doesn't get any emotional nourishment from there. One is unhappy. This happens no, in relationships. So why does it happen? Because I am expecting perfection. I want Mr. or Miss X or Y to be perfectly caring, perfectly understanding, perfect, perfect, perfect. Meaning thereby, subconsciously, I am seeking perfection. So I am unhappy. Now this is a subconscious yoga going on. I don't know that I am actually seeking perfection. I am seeking the right thing but in the wrong place. Because there I think I don't have to give the big prize. You know, yoga demands big prize, ego. Here I can keep my ego and get happiness and perfect love. It won't work out. The illusion will be shattered. Then we go elsewhere and elsewhere and elsewhere till a day comes when we realize, no, what we were seeking outside, we have to discover within us. That's when it changes into a conscious yoga. Now when we change into a conscious yoga, Unconsciously also, everything in life was leading me towards it. Every pain, every sorrow, every suffering was awakening me to the need to find something greater. That way pain and suffering are much better than pleasure because pleasure is a deception. So every time there is pain, we think. Often people come and say, you know, in my life I have so much pain. What is God doing? I said, you should have asked this question when there was pain in everybody's life. <laughs> Why wait till I feel pain? It's, you know, 
Look at Buddha. His life was wonderful. Shurabindu, no issues. He could have, you know, been the biggest leader. But they experienced the cosmic pain and entered into it. But pain comes as a reminder that life is imperfect. So it's a yoga. Pleasure is an obstacle. It gives the illusion of being in a perfect zone, which it is not. That's why after a while, pleasure say admi ubjata hai. After a while, one gets bored of pleasure. It's the nature of pleasure. You can't, you will turn, even if you have the same favorite dish every day, after seven days you will say, I want a change. Let me have a salads. Why? Because pleasure brings boredom. Pain doesn't bring boredom. Pain brings the urge to find something new. So this is subconscious yoga. When we enter into conscious yoga, then we begin to consciously aspire. And we know where to aspire. I am looking for perfection. Where is it? Within me. Within me where? The divine presence which is within me or which is in creation or which is beyond. Doesn't matter how we put it. Now we want to come in contact. That means now I am accelerating this process of evolution. Now what happens when we touch that fire? Till we have not touched that fire, it's okay. We'll have some pain, disappointments. Tomorrow again, little indigestion. Uh, doctor will give medicine. Tomorrow I'll go and have the same dish again. Till at 70 I am told that, you know, heart problem and you have to completely leave. Then also, chori chipe, you know, one opens the fridge. That's the way of long process of yoga. Subconscious yoga. But conscious yoga is, if we touch that fire, it will immediately bring down that entire edifice of falsehood, the comfort zones, what is pleasurable to me, within which I hide. Sometimes it may relentlessly strike. Then that pain is going to be very intense. In ordinary life, at the end, one realizes these jokers whom I call my own children, my own family, <laughs> they counted for nothing. But that's too late. In yoga, if one turns to the divine and also holds on to the world, then it is hit. Second thing, that means every activity of life can be turned into a yoga. How? How can I turn my walking into yoga? Normally we would do exercises and we call them yoga. What is he going to do? Yoga. What does it mean? Doing some asanas. How about walking? It's a physical activity. When in that physical activity, we begin to aspire. You see the 2nd December programs, please... If possible, watch the run-through and the rehearsal. What is it? It's the body's offering to the divine. So now it becomes a conscious yoga. Why wait till I do exercises? Breathing can become yoga. When I take the divine name and offer this breath, this heartbeat can be offered. When sometimes, you know, one experiences, I don't know if somebody is experienced or not, heart is racing fast. So normally what happens? Oh my God, am I having a heart attack? And one is thinking of all the doctors whom one can show. How about with each beat? Tuck, 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 tuck. Ma, 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 ma. I am giving an example. It becomes a yoga. When in life we are dealing with people and we often say, Oh, this man cheated me. Okay, let him cheat. Can I return love to somebody who has cheated me? It has become a yoga. I am sitting for business. I need to earn money. But can I take away this consciousness which is only about making profit and cheating the person and giving him some due, keeping money and using that money for 
making things beautiful and divine. That becomes yoga, business becomes yoga. I am on the battlefield and I want to win Shaurya Chakra. That is life. I am on the battlefield and I take it that today you have put me here, may my life and if death comes to me, be a sacrifice at, the, at your feet. It becomes yoga. Everything in life, every block, every hurt, every pain, every joy, every sorrow, every experience can become yoga when we turn it towards the eternal and dedicate it. That's all that is required. Yoga is as simple as that. You know, when someone went to a great mystic, asked him, tell me something about yoga. This man was a farmer, but a great mystic. So, he said, nothing. You see what I am doing? He said, what are you doing? He said, I am picking up from here something and putting it here. This is yoga. He said, what do you mean? This attention and concentration which is focused on the world. While in the world, turn it towards the divine. Every activity is done for the sake of the divine. Drinking water, eating food. Actually, in our Indian culture, we grow up like that. Before eating, we are taught to do pranam and offer the food. Drinking water. So, everything can become yoga in that sense. And it should become yoga. Yes, please. Why doubt come to human mind? Yes, because the human mind, why doubts come to human mind? Well, the human mind is blind. So what happens is that it does not understand the play. It cannot understand the ways of wisdom. So what it should do? Normally people take it that my mind can judge spiritual things. The mother says the first thing one has to understand if one wants to take up the spiritual life is that the mind cannot judge spiritual things because it's a consciousness which is greater. So the mind has to be taught humility. I can't understand. Yes, perfectly fine, I can't understand. Make me understand your ways. I don't know why things are the way they are. Then if one keeps on offering that, then the divine knowledge will begin to pour inside. And a time comes when the Gaat of the Hirdaya, the Hirdagranthi, that opens. Vidyanti Hirdagranthi, Chidyanti Sarvasanshya. When one has actually seen, known the divine play, then doubts vanish. But before that, one has to have this humility and surrender that my mind cannot understand your ways, but I trust you. So when humility is combined with trust in the divine and there is this seeking for the true knowledge, then doubts go, but it takes long time. All difficulties of nature take a long time. One has to keep persisting. And it's logical. See, if my mind could understand the spiritual consciousness, then spiritual consciousness would be something inferior to the mind. That is the logical fallacy. That's why the Ken Upanishad reminds us, Yan mansana manute yena hur manomatang tadeva brahman tvam vidhi nedam yadidamupasate That which the mind cannot know, but that why, by which the mind can be known. Know that to be the Brahman and not this that men seek hereafter. So when we approach life with that approach, attitude, then slowly we will begin to have those uh, flashes of knowledge. Oh, this happened. This is the truth. And then slowly this knowledge will grow instead of doubt. And as this knowledge grows, then just like with the coming of the sun, the clouds, <laughs> they go away. So also, as knowledge flames from within, 
doubts vanish. It cannot go by mental analysis. That one should be careful. Some people think that by constant mental analysis, by constantly asking all kinds of people, it will be have a very temporary effect. But one should focus on awakening of the psychic within and bring it out. Doesn't matter any which way. Then doubts will vanish. That's the only way because then one has the authentic light. Otherwise the mind is always debating and discussing. One side is Kaurava, the other is Pandava. And after the whole discussion and debate, everything is destroyed. <laughs> so, yes. Thank you very much, sir, for your wonderful explanation of all life is yoga. Can I share one experience of mind with this life, all life is yoga? Please. Before coming to Pondicherry for 2003, I knew nothing about the mother and share. I had not read anything, not a single line from other country and other literatures. So, only thing I knew about spirituality is to is going to temples, sitting for a while, then again getting into in activity. But one fine day I had gone to one temple, which I regularly used to go. I was sitting in the temple. And I was asking the deity in the temple, what is the purpose of life? Why should we come to temple and offer our pranams or whatever rituals we have to do? What is the purpose behind this? And that fine day, the pujari of that temple gave me some flowers from the temple. That was the Shiva temple. And with that, Flowers, he gave me one point. There was a two rupee point. <laughs> I was wondering why he had given me the point. Actually, I should offer something there. He gave me one, that point. I took that point. I came out of the temple. And I felt a warmth in my hand of that point. Shurabindas <laughs> coin. And I opened that point. And I was seeing one yogi's picture of that. There was written Sampurna Jeevan Yoga. Ah. All life is yoga. Sri Till then I <laughs> read nothing about Sri and his work. Yes. Initiating mantra. Yes. And as soon as I read that line, Sampurna Jeevan Yoga, all life is yoga. From top to bottom, from my head to toe, I felt a peace, even I didn't feel it in condition, in that temple. And that peace made me believe that nothing superior to this in this world can be achieved. If I am able to retain this peace throughout my body, in my life, there cannot be beyond anything of this. So I decided to visit who is this person, who is this yogi, where is he, whether he is alive or then I came to know him, Sri Aurobindo and his ashram there in Pondicherry. I decided to go there. Then later on I came to know about yes. mother and about all these things. Wonderful. So that's a lovely story. Thank you for sharing it. <laughs> Any other question? Quick, uh, maybe last or something like that. Yes, so divine can make use of anything. 
any moment. He can seize upon us anywhere. How the obstacles they come overcome? Okay, please, please. There is a clue actually given in Indian mythology. Lord Ganesha is the remover of all obstacles. He is also the god of knowledge. You know, he has that. Uh, uh, power of knowledge. So it is one one clue is the power of knowledge which overcomes obstacles. We think it is obstacle. We don't know what is what is the truth behind it. See, it's like uh, there is a let's say we are walking on the path and there the path is blocked because things are fallen there. Maybe there is a rock. Maybe there is a tree. How do I get past? Now, if I know the principle of how to remove it, I can walk through. Or how to find a way across. This is one of the things by the force of knowledge. Second is to know where one has to go. That's the way of the river. So way of the river is it knows I have to go to the sea. If obstacle comes, it just bypasses it. Don't bother about it. Just keep moving where you have to go. So sometimes it will circuit around the obstacle. It will flow over the obstacle. By the sheer force, it will drive away the obstacle. So to increase the intensity of aspiration... And the obstacle dissolves simply because the aspiration has become, it's like some of the dreams in the vital world, one sees these strange creatures, very big. And if you stare at them, it dissolves. You know, that inner courage. Courage is another very beautiful thing. Swami Vivekananda, once he was chased by a monkey. And suddenly, someone said, Hey Swami, why are you running away? He said, Yes, why should I run away? He looked behind the monkey with folded hands. And the monkey, it was time for monkey to run away. So, this courage. Fear, on the contrary, mounts, makes the obstacle much bigger than what it is. But the principle is not to focus on the obstacle. We get caught into that. Then there are all kinds of things, guilt, unfitness, depression, despair. Focus should be on the goal. I have to go there. How to find the way? And then the way is found. It may be sometime bypassing it. It doesn't matter. Then one has to also understand that all these obstacles that come outside are basically have their roots within. Shobindo in a very interesting aphorism he says, medieval ascetics used to say that woman is an obstacle. Even now all this thing is going on now, woman is an obstacle. He says, uh, don't blame the woman. The problem is within you. You have not overcome something and you are blaming a woman as being an obstacle. She is not an obstacle. She is a form of the Divine Mother. So there are various ways. All obstacles ultimately have their roots within. The sixth grade, if I desire something very much, then it, it takes away the flame, it covers it with all kinds of um, you know, smoke, doubt, ambition. They are the real obstacles. So it's not outside. So some people say that, you know, oh, my family doesn't allow me to, uh, you know, Turn toward the divine. Well, when Mirabai was asked, uh, your family says, wonderful, my husband doesn't love me so much. It's very good. I can give all my life to Krishna. It's, it's the way we, our attitude. So, if we are clear about the goal, then obstacles become opportunities. Because it shows us where I am attached still to my old self. It's attachment that is bringing sorrow. It is attachment that is bringing suffering. 
and I have to practice that inner detachment if that be my goal. Otherwise, I have to accept that I'll be attached and I'll suffer. That's one part. So when we discover the source of obstacle is not outside but within me, it is in my own ego self, then we start working at the right corner. Otherwise, we'll remove one obstacle, another will come. We'll remove second one, third will come because their outer world is an objectivization of what I am carrying within me. So this is how one has to deal with these obstacles. And most importantly, it is by cultivating faith. I am saying cultivating because it's not easy to cultivate it. In life, if we meet with all kinds of people who throw doubts, stay away from that kind of company. Cultivate faith. That is the purpose of satsang. Whether through book or through such collective things. So cultivating faith and above all, the divine grace and the divine mother. The biggest antidote to every possible obstacle is to call the mother's name. It's there in Sri works. And the experience of sadhaks, that before her name, no obstacle can stand. Nothing, even something which appears insurmountable. Countless experience of countless people, my own uh, included, but you know, time is short and this is not the forum to discuss all that. But calling the mother's name, no obstacle can stand before it. And if we can add to this name, trust. What can stand? Imagine living life with the Divine Mother walking with us. Even if death comes, we can tell death. Look here. I don't belong to you. You have strayed on a wrong journey. <laughs> Go somewhere else. When the Divine Mother wants, then I leave the body. Not at your bidding. I don't belong to you. Now when we live life like that, no darkness, no cloud, nothing can assail. But it needs to cultivate, the, to open to the Divine Mother, to call her name, to read her books, to concentrate on her photograph, to meditate on her presence within. The more we come close to the Divine Mother, the more we will see life moving as a smooth stream towards the Divine. This is the sunlit path of Sri Aurobindo. So we will, uh, I think, um, close here. So thank you so much. In wonderful.